the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to The Big Silence Podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go. Mental health is my wealth. The stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seeking ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. Woo. Bobby. Yes. You've been a very good executive handyman today. Mm, thank you. I thought once you get to an executive level, you start to get paid. <laughs> well, this is a nonprofit. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking on, yes, we are a nonprofit. And uh, head over to thebigsilence.com to see all of the youth programming and therapy for all programs that we're doing. And yeah, any donations are welcome because we want to keep this going. Number one, also the podcast is really important and such a great resource for everyone to have these conversations as our next guest will say to say it out loud. Uh, and yeah. I want to say it out loud. Okay. Vasavi. 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 How fun is she? She's great. Yeah. She pumped me up. I was sitting over there laughing. I was trying not, I don't like to make eye contact. Really? Yes. Because like, it's kind of weird, like, if they're locked in with you, but then all of a sudden, like, a person over your shoulder is kind of distracting. So, I keep my head, I keep my head down. Mm-hmm. Um, not to ignore, because I'm listening and just watching sound levels and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was chuckling, especially when you girls get to your gal talk. Oh, about… Galentine's talk. Galentine's Vasme Kumar her bringing in her partner. Oh, you were trying to play matchmaker? Well, I'm not. I don't know anybody, but I was like, what is your, you know, your dream man that you're going to bring in? It was fun. Got it. Yeah. So you got to listen to the pod. But anyways, (laughs) so Say It Out Loud, her new book is coming out. I met her at Amber Valdez's, one of my very great friends here in Austin, Texas, at her birthday party. And we just started chatting so much. And uh, Say It Out Loud just... You got to, we'll talk about the book, but it's coming out in May 2023. So make sure you definitely pre-order it. We'll put all of the links in the show notes. It's really good. Good conversation. What did you, what was your favorite part aside from the matchmaking part? Mm, Let me think of favorite part. I like the exercise that you guys were doing at the end. Mm -hmm. I really like those questions. I think they're powerful. I like how it continues. So it like 
keeps pushing a person. Um, so that's a great exercise. I could tell she likes some 90s rap. I thought that was pretty cool too. She's like cool. She's a cool girl. She is a cool girl. Yeah. Yeah. And she's also a licensed therapist and has gone through her own struggles. And she says everything out loud. I just love her honesty. I mean, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Say it out loud. Yeah, I like that. I like also another thing. I was just like replaying it. I liked when she talked about financials Mm -hmm. and talked about like an insecurity in financial and then goes, hey, I'm insecure about this and then talked about it. I really like that. Yeah. Because like it can doesn't have to be financial. It can be whatever the insecurity is. But I really like how she is someone who's like a therapist and a coach, right, as well. Mm -hmm. But I like how she led by example, not a person who just talks. Yeah. You know, like she was actually like walking her own walk as she's talking her own talk. So I was like, hmm, respect. Much respect. Yeah. All right. Enjoy this. Oh, 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 more. There's more. No, no. I wanted to end it together. I wanted to say it out loud on three. One, two, three. Vasavi! (laughs) Much love. Welcome to the Big Silence Podcast, Vasavi. Oh my God. First of all, I love the way you just said my name. Thank you so much. You said it right. Vasavi Kumar. It's so beautiful to be here. Thank you. I want to talk about pronunciations because I like, I've known you. I met you at Amber's birthday party, but do you know this is my actual real last name? Whoa, hold on. So hold on. I can't read. Is it Sah, Saha Idak? I can't read your handwriting, but Saha Dakri? Saha Saha Dakri? What is it? Saha Dachni. Sahadachni. Where is that from? That seems like Eastern European. Ukrainian. Ukraine, yeah. Because yeah. I could tell by the D-A-C-H-N-Y. Yeah. Yeah. You're Ukrainian. Okay. Yeah. Half Ukrainian and then Irish German. Second generation Ukrainian, though. Is that still your legal last name? Yes. Okay. I didn't turn it to Goldstein. <sighs> Sorry, Bobby. <laughs> it's all good. But then Dawn is my middle name. Okay. I love that for you. Yeah. So I Dawn. was born at dawn and I growing up could not spell that and decided to use dawn as my last name since high school. I feel like I I've I have this new level of closeness now that I can say your last name Sahadachni. 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 So you're I'm guessing you're pretty sensitive to how you say people's names. Yeah. Like you want to get it right. I always am like how do you say it? Maybe that's maybe. Yeah. That's why I always am like I want to pronounce it right cuz even my first name a lot of people are like Karina. Kar- yep, I can see why they would say yeah, Karina. It's Karina. It's Karina. Yeah. Or, I think that's a great quality. You know when people say to me, "Oh, I'm really bad at names." I go, "No, you're not. You're lazy." Don't don't tell me you're bad at names. There's no neurological condition where you're bad. I mean, unless there is, but I like that you take the effort to ask, how do I say your name properly? Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. So we are here today to say it out loud. Your new book is coming Mm -hmm. out May 2023. May I say it's also Mental Health Awareness Month? Yes. Which when we met at Amber's birthday party, Mm -hmm. I brought that up and you're like, oh, I didn't. That's like the perfect time for Mm -hmm. your book to come out. Yes. So there was like 25 women there and we were just hanging out in the corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot going on around us and mm-hmm. we were getting to know each other. And you're such an incredible human and your energy is amazing. And I want to talk about, number one, you came out right away and you said, I have bipolar one mm-hmm. and you're a therapist. 
Mm-hmm. You have a book coming out. Mm-hmm. You're thriving in your life. Thank you. You do speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. You help others. Let's start from the beginning. So the very beginning. I kind of, not like the, like. Because yeah, I can, I'm 40. I know. I'm you, 40. We don't have, we don't have like four hours. And but. I can talk. <laughs> you don't want me to start. Once I start, I won't start. No, kidding. but I'm just so interested because you are, I, I love number one, what attracted me to you as a human is that you were just so open and like, this is who I am and mm-hmm. this is how I say it out loud. And there's a lot of things I want to talk about where a lot of people hold things in and like their throat chakras and, mm-hmm. you know, you just like hold it in and you don't want to say it and you don't want to just be you. So I say it out loud. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I want to start with that, but I want to say, you know, I want everyone listening to this, like the reason why I say it out loud and I express on the outside what I'm feeling on the inside is because I don't want to live in conflict with myself. I don't want to keep that stuff inside. So most people are so okay making sure they're keeping the peace on the outside, yet they're, they have warfare against themselves, right? They're committing warfare against themselves. And for me, like, what is the point of me keeping stuff inside having it build up, and then I'm no good to anybody, you know, because I'm spewing that energy out there. So for me to do the work that I want to do in this world and come here and have a great conversation with you, it's a practice for me, and I'm going to be a little graphic. Hopefully, we're all regular and we go to the bathroom every day. For me, it's important that I clear out any resentments. I close any loops. If I have something with a friend, I'm making up a story in my head. I do not let a week go by and let that fester. I'll say to my good friend, hey, can we talk for a moment? I just had a conversation with someone two days ago, and I said, you said this the other day. This is what I'm making it mean. I love you. I love this friendship. I just want to know where you're coming from because my brain, my bipolar part of my brain can make up a story that you're out to get me and I can't trust you. And Mm. I care about this friendship enough that I want to give you your space to say it out loud. And we got through it. We got on FaceTime and I was like, I love you even more. It was easy. It was safe. And that part of my brain that has always felt very um, abandoned and alone and attacked so it's like starting to soften a little bit that I want to call it the bipolar part of my brain, the part of my brain that attacks me, that that tells me you're not safe. You need to watch out for this person. So having these open conversations with people that I actually care about and having them actually listen to me and be a safe space has helped quiet that part of my brain. So that's just now, right? So where do we begin? Actually, uh, I want to yeah. stop there too. Yeah. And the bipolar part of your brain, how did you introduce yourself to that part? And how have you moved forward. And I always say like a diagnosis is not like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm depressive. Mm-hmm. I have bipolar. I have, you know, this. Like it's not a diagnosis for an end all. It's a gift. Yes. Like so, you have a gift. Thanks. So you're asking me, I just want to make sure I understand you're asking me, how is it, how am I at the point in my life where I'm able to say the bipolar part of my brain rather than having it mean yeah. that I it's me in my entirety. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I go back to the earliest memory in childhood, I know myself to be the most magical, effervescent, magnetic, charming, funny, adorable child. So I know that that is how I was created. So then what happened along the way? So I've, you know, made sense out of the fact that from a very young age, not really having that physical presence and that emotional safety that my brain kind of was a... when you're a young child, you want to feel safe. And when you don't feel safe, 
You will find ways to feel safe within your body. And the way that I learned to create some sort of safety is by telling myself stories Mm -hmm. um, and saying, this is not really what's happening. Or the way I protect myself is by convincing myself that you got to protect yourself from this person. Um, But unfortunately, that part of my brain has also caused a lot of distress in my life. It's created a lot of distance between me and my family and the relationships that I have. I know that that's not all of me, though, because I see myself. I hear myself. I know that that's just one part of me. I also really want to say that bipolar disorder really doesn't get the attention and the I don't think people really understand what it means. It's not just, oh, you're moody. That's far from it. When I think about having bipolar disorder and what it feels like, it's this really like God-given energy. It's like a limitless energy. And when you don't know what to do with that energy, you can self-destruct. And that's what I did throughout my life. So now I'm kind of taking you on the journey of Vasavi. I was diagnosed when I was 19, but even before then, you know, even in my early teenagers, you know, I started smoking when I was 12 just to fit in. I got sexually experimental, you know, later on, you know, in my early 20s. And I always thought I'd wait till I was marriage. I used a lot of drugs to feel or to not feel in my life. But ultimately, I had to give myself what I really needed, which was, ironically so, silence. I had Mm -hmm. to, I couldn't hear myself think because everything just felt so loud. And so for me, you know, just everything that I, I teach in the book, say it out loud, I learned how to, and I continue to learn this every day, by the way, is to master my own self-talk. And what that looks like for me is how do I talk to myself on a moment-to-moment basis? I don't understand why people don't talk about this enough. You know, it's like the yeah. tone that you use, the pitch that you use, the volume that you use with yourself really sets the tone for how you feel in your body and how you show up with other people. So can we talk about that, about negative self-talk and how you can adjust that in your self-talk and Mm -hmm. what is the easiest way to shift your mind? Because a lot of us can just spiral, spiral, Mm -hmm. spiral. So what is the best way to shift that and how you talk about it? I want to give you a real life example. So Mm -hmm. my philosophy is to say it out loud, whether you're by yourself Mm -hmm. or you're with, with someone. But here's the thing. I want the work that I'm sharing with people. I want you to be able to do this on your own because ultimately people around you may go whatever and relationships change, but you have you at the end of the day, that has to be rock solid. So what I would do, let's just say you are writing. Let's say you are in creative mode and you come up against a block and you're like, oh, like you're getting frustrated, right? I would recommend you to say out loud the actual resistance that you're experiencing. I have a chapter in my book. It's called Voicing Your Resistance Out Loud. Mm -hmm. So you're up against this challenge or this creative block. Instead of keeping that inside your head, I would literally say out loud. I'll share a personal example. God, I'm so frustrated. Oh, God, I'm just, I'm so stupid. Why? Like, literally say what you're telling yourself right now. And it could sound different for everyone. What do you tell yourself when you're up against a creative block or resistance? Mm, oh, gosh. I didn't and, know and this is, gonna, yeah. yeah. Well, so, I'm looking at some of your questions, <laughs> like, I don't know how from Limiting Thought Talk. Mm-hmm. They won't let me. No one in my family ever went to college yeah. and their own, own their own business, got divorced. So I can't do this. For me, I know you asked me the question. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I, I didn't mean to and, put this. <laughs> uh, um, and I do. Yeah. I'm going through personal stuff right now through business and relationships. But I think I, when I wake up, I, I don't, what do I say to myself? This is really good. That I, uh, It's good that you don't know because now you're going to uh, start paying attention to it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's good. Yeah. I am not worthy. Mm-hmm. But then when you say that out loud. Yeah, I know. You're like, that's not true. You, I am fucking worthy. You are. You damn well know that that's not true. You, yeah. you logically know that that's not true. But if yeah. there is a part of, and I'm going to say you, I'm talking to everyone yeah. here. If you can resonate with I'm not worthy, raise your hands. I'm raising my hands right now. You got to say it out loud. And here's why. Because the minute you said it out loud, Karina, you're like, wait, that's not true. Yeah, well, I Logically, you know it's not true, but when it's in your mind and you can feel the feet, those words carry vibrations and you feel it in your body and then it feels really real and you feel mm-hmm. like you're in fight or flight. But when you say it out loud, I'm not worthy, that allows you to actually distance yourself and be like, that is not true. You can actually start to question that and then you can ask yourself, well, what is true? Like, what would you say to a friend? It's not just some cheesy meme, y'all. What would you say to a friend who came to you? Boss, or Karina, I'm working on this creative project. I'm up against this block. You know what, Karina? I'm just not worth it. I'm just, I'm, I'm not even worth it. I'm not even good at this. What would you say to that person? It's, that's how I want you to talk to yourself. Because like your hype song says, the big mm-hmm. silence, what we need is radical self-love. Mm-hmm. Why are we so free to be generous with our love with other people, but not with ourselves? That's where the problem is. Right. And in that song, it's like to be who you already are. Yes, there's no mystery. You're not having to find it. It's remembering. You know, Karina, even when I share about my childhood, like when I do interviews now when people are like, tell me about your childhood. How I used to talk about my childhood is very different than how I talk about it now. I say, I used to say, oh, I grew up in an all-white town and I, you know, my family was, it was chaotic. All of which is true. All of which is true. But the, and I, I would share the struggle and the pain, which there was plenty of. But now when I talk about my childhood, I just, feel differently when I talk about it. I even say it differently. There's no charge as much around it. It's just like, this was what my experience was growing up. This is what it was like. Even when I was writing my book, I knew that I wanted to speak the truth, but I wanted to speak from a place of radical responsibility, which means I wasn't sitting there trying to uh, talk shit about my mother, which in my first draft of my book, that's (laughs) that book. Oh, I mean, even my agent makes fun of me. My entire first draft of my book was about all my exes, and my mother and my my editor was like, what is this book? <laughs> my point is when you start to heal that, heal yeah. those voices in your head that are, it's that loud narrative that does not support the reality that you're trying to create. When you start to heal that and soften with how you speak to yourself, your narrative changes, how you view your entire life changes, how you view yourself then starts to change. You start to, you stop seeing yourself as this, oh, I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. I need to be fixed versus, mm-hmm. no, you know what? I'm a child of God. I'm good. I've learned some things along the way. I've had some broken hearts. I've broken some hearts. I've said some things I'm not proud of. And even in spite of that, I am still loved. And I still love myself. And I, for me, the biggest thing for me, I had to forgive myself. I walked around with a lot of self-loathing. So I work on that every day. Yeah. I was, the podcast that was coming out the week before this, and Debbie was just here. She came from Plano, Texas, and she's on our board of directors. And we were talking about forgiveness and self-forgiveness. Mm-hmm. What's your your thoughts on that? On for- like, Forgiveness and self-forgiveness, I have very high standards for myself for how I should, how I should, I hear that, <laughs> how I should treat people. The biggest challenge for me is that I didn't have the same standard for how I should be treated. So I, mm. there was a little bit of a mismatch. Like, I have very high standards how I should treat somebody else. And, but I didn't have those, that same standard, that footing of standard for how I want to be treated. Mm. So what I had to forgive myself for was 
allowing myself to continually be in relationships where I was not being treated the way that I knew I deserved to be treated. Mm -hmm. It had less to do with forgiving other people. The person I hated the most was myself. The person I despised the most, the person I disrespected, that I didn't have as much respect for was me because I can only speak for myself. I knew every single time I was letting, I was going against myself. I were letting people overstep boundaries. And so that's the person that I've had to forgive the most. Mm -hmm. I can forgive anybody else, whatever. You don't know anybody. I can't, it's hard, it was harder for me to forgive myself. I would say now where I'm at, I let go of guilt and shame a lot quicker. I just made a promise to myself. It's like shame is on one of the lowest vibration feelings that you can feel. And I was like, do I really need to feel that? Or is there another, like, what is actually going on there? What is that shame really about? I try to use a lot more compassionate curiosity with myself. I talk about that in the book. Anytime I do feel shame, like I've had some money shame in the past year or two. Mm -hmm. It's been like past year or two. You know, being Indian, being Ivy League educated, being 40 years old, you know, I'm like, I should be farther along. My finances should be in a certain place by now. I had a lot of shame around that, especially in our community, in the Indian community. We have certain, you know, you're supposed to be a millionaire by now. You're supposed mm -hmm. to have a couple hundred thousand in the bank by now. You, you should be doing this. And I don't have that. So I've had to work through a lot of shame around that. And where I'm at today, and I was telling that, I was telling this to my mother as I was driving here, I go, I just met with my accountant. I just met with my accountant. This is how much money I made last year. $94,000. I'll just tell you. Mm -hmm. And I told my mother, I know that that's not a lot compared to people in our Indian community. That's not a lot compared to my friends. I go, but do you know that every penny that I made last year came from a revenue source that I'm so passionate about? It came mm -hmm. from coaching. It came from speaking. It mm -hmm. came from voiceover. It came from officiating weddings. It came from writing the book. I got an event. And I said to her, I go, I no longer am going to allow who I am and how I feel about myself be tied to a number. Like, I love that. Dunzos. Like whether I've had $49 in my bank account, which I have had in the past year. Okay. I've had mm -hmm. 40 or whether I have $25,000, which I've had in the past year fluctuates. My mission is I'm going to stay I'm like this, no matter what, you, mm -hmm. nothing out there, you're not going to make me flinch. And if it does make me flinch when I feel that shame, because I've seen $49 in my bank account and I'm like, oh my God, I suck. Those moments where I'm like, I am a loser. So that's the inner work. You know, people talk about the inner work. The inner work is easy when you look, you know, all fly as fuck and you got mm -hmm. your na nails done and your <laughs> lashes. Try being loving to yourself when you have $49 in your bank account. Okay. So someone listening, they have $49 yeah. in their yeah. bank account. How do you love yourself? Okay, y'all. So this is what I want you to do. Okay. So I want you to, first of all, open up your bank account. Look at your number every day. Look at your bank account number every single day. Every single day. Look at that number and just ask yourself, what do I make $49 mean about myself? And say it out loud. For me, it was like, Vasavi, you're so stupid. No one wants to work with you, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much you market yourself. Look at that. People don't want to work with you. You're obviously not good at what you do. What are you making a MF and number mean about yourself? Mm -hmm. You're going to make a number. You're going to you're going to have a number have that much control over you. So say out loud the story that you have based on the number. And every day, if you can just keep looking at that number, whether it goes up or whether it goes down or goes in the red, I want you to just. If you can find even like 1% of understanding for yourself, I think that will help. That has helped me. And it's like my money has gone up. It has felt more consistent. But even when it hasn't, even in the past few months, my goal and my intention has been less about I want to increase my bank account. And it's been more about I will, I am unfuckwithable when it comes to external things. That is my goal because it's my 
challenge, and I think for a lot of people, is they allow themselves to fluctuate based on what's happening outside. Mm-hmm, you need, I need mm-hmm. you to be steady as a rock. Yeah. I need you to stay focused and anchored in your mission. Keep doing what you why you're here on this earth. Do not let that number fluctuate you. So allowing yourself to unearth those stories in relation to whatever the thing is. Yeah, I've never talked about money on this podcast, but I think it's a really important thing yeah. because there is such a mental health connection mm-hmm. to that. And how whether you have 49 dollars or you have eight million dollars mm-hmm. and then there's like once you get up there and like what is that relation and because you are still the same worthy person mm-hmm. no matter what and that's like finding that mm-hmm. that balance of just is there a chapter in your book I've read most yeah. of your book yeah. about just the money and finding worth and then it, you get to the certain point where then it's like I'm not worthy of that, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So the what I've been discovering about myself, and I'm actually, this might be the first time I'm saying it out loud, is growing up in an Indian household, both my parents did very well for themselves. My mother was a private practice cardiologist, one of the first Indian women in Brooklyn to have her private practice. My father had his own practice as a CPA. So I had a model for success. I had a model, okay? I knew that if you want to be successful, you need to have this much money in the bank. You need to drive these types of cars. You need to have this type of house, this type of 401k. I didn't follow any of that, but I had a model. I met with my CPA this morning and I asked him, I'm like, so what's my goal? Like, how much money should I really be bringing in a month? I have a few debts. I have this. I have to pay off my Mexico. You know, we're talking about it. He goes, if you bring in around 10K a month, you'll be great. I go, I can do that. And that voice in my head that's like, but what about six, seven figure months? You know, all these people. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about six or seven figure months. Make enough money so I can get my nails done, go on my vacation, go out to dinner with my friends, pour into my creative projects, pay down my debt, and I'm happy. Yeah. I had to give myself the permission that's like, I don't want that. Like, that was huge for me. And Karina, as of right now, I'm still coming to resolution within myself. Like, Voss, you're not mediocre. If your goal isn't that, like, oh, I want this much money per month, I'm giving myself permission to be like, what do I actually want? So I would use that as an opportunity. What you're talking about, and for everyone that's hearing this, is like, we get to ask ourselves, what do I want? Or look at what you currently have in your life, and you're like, why do I even have this? What am I doing this for? You know, like, I noticed myself just constantly pushing, 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 pushing. And I was like, I don't even want to be doing this right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what in the literal F am I doing right now? So we got to question ourselves and ask ourselves, for what? In the name of what? And I told my mom today, I go, at the age of 40, my parents had way more money in the bank. They had the house. They had the two kids. And I've chosen not to have children, by cho- completely by choice. And I love this. I said to my mother, you guys had way more money in the bank. And she goes, you know what you have that I didn't have at 40? I go, what? She goes, you're satisfied with yourself. She goes, you're content. She goes, you are, and she goes, you are yourself. And you like, do not really, you're not bothered by what other people think. She goes, you are just happy. You're a happy-go-lucky girl, just like my little girl. That's what my mother said. And that for me is worth everything. So your family, because you're not the standard of what your family. I'm the brown sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm the brown (laughs) Is that a lamb? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What is, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Is that, that a sheep or that, a that's lamb? That's a lamb. Mary had a little lamb. Bah. Yeah. <laughs> so your parents, because yeah. we always think about, we always, I, I say we, I yeah. always thought I had to like go to college mm-hmm. and have the family. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, Bobby and I do not have children by choice mm-hmm. either. I mean, you met the five Pomeranians. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> 
We're going to have a Pomber party. What is that? A Pomeranian slumber party. I'm learning new words every day. (laughs) But, you know, we're kind of like this generation that's going against like what we thought we'd be. I'm like, go to college, get a degree, have a family, Mm -hmm. buy the house, this, that. Mm -hmm. So with you and your family, are they accepting of you? Yeah, because of my past with cocaine and going to rehab, my parents are happy that I'm alive. And so am I. And listen, here's my thing. I'm not going to say anything about people in AA or 12-step groups. 12-step groups really saved my life. But I do think, for me personally, when I got sober, I said, this is it. My job is just to stay sober. I got to just be sober and just get through another day. And then after I hit a year of sobriety, I was like, I'm itching to get back out there and speak again and coaching and, and help people in some way. I was like, what is the point of being sober if I'm not paying this forward to anybody? So it takes as long as it takes. Mm. And I think... I had to really, I was just happy to be alive. And my parents were happy for me to be alive. And they were patient with me to get back on my own feet. And I did not know how to love myself, Karina. I share the story on a lot of interviews. I'm going to share it again here because yeah, yeah. I think it's it, think it's funny. It's, like, it's, it's actually cute and endearing. You know, when I got out of rehab the second time in 2019, I didn't want to go back to living in sober living and living with nine, 15 other women. I said, can I get after my two weeks in rehab the second time, I said, can I just like continue to do this work living at home? My mom Mm -hmm. said yes. So I would go to intensive outpatient. I'd go to all our weekly meetings. And I just realized that I did not know how to love myself. And so I remember when I was like on this radical self-love journey for the umpteenth time, I Googled, how do I love myself? That's me surrendering to the fact that I didn't even know the, like, what does that mean to at the fundamental basic level. So I started off with the hydration, the movement, the things that we do. But then underneath that was the self-talk, how Mm -hmm. I speak to myself. And that's something that's always been at the forefront is how I talk to myself. And I've been talking out loud to myself since since I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, because that's how I really helped slow down my mania. But ultimately, what I want anyone hearing is that does it matter what you've been through? It does matter. But at the end of the day, if we can Allow ourselves to be childlike and just start from the beginning and ask yourself, well, in this season, how do I need to be loved? Because Mm -hmm. how I need to be loved at 35, 36, 37, when I was in my recovery, and now I'm 40, you know, how do I need to be loved by me now? Very different. Mm -hmm. So we have to allow even the love that we have towards ourselves to evolve. Just like, you know, I'm sure with you and Bobby, your love has evolved over the years. Mm -hmm. The way you love him and the way he loves you is very different this year as it was maybe a few years ago. We should allow that love for ourselves to evolve as well. How can we love ourselves even more today? Yeah, I agree with that. Because, yeah, myself, I'm 41 now. Mm -hmm. And Bobby, you're 37-ish. No, 38. Whatever. <laughs> when you don't know your partner's age, it's all it's all good. It doesn't even matter. What's our, when were we married? What's When's our, your birthday? <laughs> Are you even my boyfriend? Are you my husband? Wait, you're, oh, my wait, husband. you're my husband? <laughs> oh shit! When did we get married? Shit! Hello. Well, no, that's an important thing too yeah. with relationships and yeah. like as individuals, as whether you're in a partnership or not, we have different needs and love languages mm-hmm. and needs throughout the years, and like that has to be allowed to evolve Mm -hmm. and change and be okay with it. So then it's like you got to reconfigurate what each other needs. Mm -hmm. No, but you have to reconfigure with your partner and with yourself because as you grow and evolve, what you used to need, you don't need anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I used to need, okay, I used to need to talk to my mom every day, right? I used to just talking about growing out of the things that we need. When I was first married, I wasn't, 
I wasn't ready at 28 to be married. First of all, like mm. at all. I would call, I was still my daddy's girl. I call my father every day as a married woman. And there's nothing wrong with calling your father. I'm not putting that down, but I can see now, looking back at 28, why I didn't probably have a much deeper connected relationship with my ex. And he called his mother every day. My like ex that called, codependency. Yep, he did that with mm-hmm. his mother. He was his mm-hmm. mother's savior. I was mm-hmm. my father's happy girl. Mm-hmm. We had to still play those roles. We we did not know how to get out of those roles and be, you know, go from being a child to our parents to be adult lovers and partners with each other. So I don't need that anymore. I can guarantee that the next guy that I meet, I will not be calling my mom or dad every single day. But at the time I needed that. So we get to really look at how we've needed love in the past or how we've received love and asking ourselves, have I outgrown this need? Do we? Do I still need love this way? And I mm-hmm. think that gives me freedom, right? If I don't need to do something every day because it's like, oh, I need this for me. If I don't need to do it, that actually tells me I don't have that dependency on it. And, you know, everyone's journey is different. But for me, I, I struggle with, this is just me admitting it out loud. I struggle with the idea and the concept of, oh, there could be someone down the road that I'm going to be in a relationship with with them again, how am I going to let them fully in? So I'm working on that right now, is allowing Mm -hmm. somebody fully in into my life. We haven't started, but I'm working on it. I'm thinking about it. That's the beginning stage. What is that going to be like? Yeah. So, okay, let's go back to you, 19. Yeah. You got the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then what did that mean for you? And then how did you move forward? And then going to rehab, I want to kind of talk about that story and then so let me give a time frame for everyone yep. listening. So basically, I'm 40 now. So let's just say from 19 onwards. So for the past 20 years, okay? Mm-hmm. I did start therapy when I was 12 for about, I was in therapy for 16 years. And then I got diagnosed at, you know, 19. So the past 20 years of my life, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder has been the greatest blessing and the most irritating thing in my life, right? It's been mm-hmm. so irritating having this chemical imbalance, this brain disorder, whatever you want to call it. I don't really like mental illness. I just don't yeah. like considering myself ill. I'm one of the healthiest, happiest people I know from the inside. And my outside, you know, I just shared about having $49 in my bank account back in the day. You know, it's just like, it really is starts from within for me. So the past 20 years have been dedicated to understanding my mind. That's just how I am. When the psychiatrist says you have an illness, mental illness, next day I went to Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to learn about this. So I picked up a few books. And what I learned was that no magic pill is going to save you. And so that's when I really started to get into Pilates. I got into hot yoga back in, back 20 years ago. Hot yoga, Bikram yoga was just starting to become more popular. I was already vegetarian, but then I said, oh, Maybe I need to cut out dairy. These were just some of the books. This is when all this stuff was becoming more popular, plant-based diets. And so I've spent the past 20 years and the journey has not been linear. That's what I, there were still so many things that needed to be unearthed. So while I may have gotten my eating and my movement, feeling in a place that felt like I was in control, when it came to my relationships, that's what I struggled with the most. Mm -hmm. And so I would say where the drugs, the addiction, the recovery, the rehab come in, have all been as a result of the choices that I've made in terms of the type of men that I've allowed into my life. I'm not blaming anyone, Mm -hmm. but where I was at was a place I didn't have that standard in my life for what I wanted to allow in my life. You have to understand that when I got divorced, when I was 31, 32, it was uh, December of 2014. My parents quite essentially, and they didn't know any better. They basically said, well, if you're going to get divorced, you're completely on your own. Right. Mm. And I didn't expect any help from them financially. But what they ended up doing, I'm going to spill the tea, is that they ended up giving my husband, ex-husband, $300,000 for him to get on his feet 
so that Mm. hopefully our marriage would work. My ex-husband still owes my dad that money. And I said to my parents, I go, I'm not mad at you guys, but that money would have been way better channeled into your own daughter. Wait, okay. Yeah. Sorry, here. Hold on. Yeah, I know. Wait, I just, I, okay, why did they give him 300000 And I've talked to them about this, and I've had an in-length conversation. My father thought that the reason why I divorced my husband was because he didn't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the main reason. My biggest issue was because he was lying about where he was spending his money, and he was giving money to his family, and he wasn't telling me. And mm-hmm. I don't like to be lied to. Dude, mm-hmm. I you don't either. Just yeah. tell me the truth. I can handle the truth. I cannot handle being lied to. It's just like my absolute thing. My dad thought, okay, well, maybe if I help her husband get on his two feet, you know, he bought an Indian restaurant with that money mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas. My father thought, maybe once he starts to make money, then she'll fall back in love with him. And I just mm. said to my dad, you, you don't know me at all. You don't know your daughter because I'm the kind of girl I will stay until I can no longer stay. I don't do that anymore. My tolerance level for BS is way lower. <laughs> But I said to my father, you should know me by now. If I left a marriage, if I left a marriage, it's because I no longer want to be there. And I cannot make it work. And I do not want to make it work. They didn't know. Well, you were raised in a family where it was very financial. Yes. And you had to be a certain level and status. So, but, I mean, good for you because you are changing that generational, like, belief system. I'm not going to let the dollar sign, the almighty dollar affect how I feel about myself. And that's something personal. That's a personal journey that I'm on based on my own upbringing. So after I got divorced, Karina, I immediately fell into another relationship with a guy eight years younger than me. Best sex of my life. I just have to say that. Well, but at least you got to experience that. <laughs> but I did not, I didn't realize <laughs> at the time I was lonely. I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want to feel the failure of leaving my marriage. My rebound lasted for four years. My rebound should have lasted for maybe a month. It lasted for four years and the guy moved in with me. I mean, we were shacking up. My mom was like, who is this girl? I don't know who she is. My mom did not know who I was. And I picked a guy who also had his own demons, Mm -hmm. just like I did. Mm -hmm. And so we trauma bonded. And so we, Mm -hmm. you know, he was using drugs and then I started and I was and so it became a one day a week on a weekend to five days a week. It's a addiction Wait. is a progressive disease. It got worse. Sorry, back up there. So did you not use drugs until rebound four year rebound? No, I no no I did, uh, <laughs> but it was not. Yep. So the for me, you know, when I was younger, I started smoking cigarettes when I was twelve. Right. Same here. Yeah, yeah. And then I had my first drink when I was thirteen. I mm-hmm. what was it? It was um, Kahlua. Oh, mine was peppermint schnapps. Oh, God, why do we choose Uh, these, like, desserty drinks that are, ooh, Kahlua, ooh, like, milky. No, but I, like, watered it down with water with my friend Liz Kennedy and, like, in her grandma's basement. I love that you said her whole birth, your whole name, Liz Kennedy. Liz Kennedy? Where are you, Liz Kennedy? You rebel. So... It was progressive for me. And then I, you know, I smoked my first joint when I was 17. I tried ecstasy when I was 18. Then I got to college. Mm. Then I started using cocaine in college. I started smoking weed, weed and then cocaine in college, ecstasy. Those were my three. Yeah. And when I transferred back home, I had to transfer back home in my 20s and um, sophomore year of college. I kept, I was dabbling here and there. Mm-hmm. And then I met my husband who was, became my boyfriend. Yeah. And when I was with him, I didn't use anything. Yeah. So for me, what I now know is that I've always anchored into men to keep me stable. And when I didn't have my husband anymore, so I wasn't using any drugs with him. I had maybe like a glass of wine here or there. Nothing yeah. out of control. You know, yeah. not, it was all manageable. Once I no longer had that 
perceived safety and security from a man, my husband, I didn't know what to do with myself. And so I needed that male presence in my life. So I allowed this guy that I was with, my rebound, and he took the place. And it was not a good choice on my part. My discernment was shit. It was that. (laughs) So then how do you exit out of a relationship that's not good for you and your Mm -hmm. heart? I think my— After four years. So granted. (laughs) I I truly believe that our soul chooses our path. And so I didn't have to walk away from him. I lost all my money. I had gotten a a miscarriage in September. I didn't have any really any more money left. My parents were now very aware that I had a problem. And so my sister and my aunt came in 2017 to Austin. They swooped me up. They packed up my stuff. And I went back to the East Coast to rehab. In Philadelphia, I went to a state rehab center in Miramont. That's the name of the Miramont Rehab Center in Media, Pennsylvania. My roommate was a girl who was detoxing from heroin. It was not fun for me. So I, it, it, this the way God has looked out for me. Yeah, it sucked. Like I had to sell my car. I couldn't leave my place. I had no money. I had to basically close down my coaching practice and just be done for about three to four months. I was away. I was in rehab, but I didn't want to get sober. I had no choice. And I know that we always have a choice, but like, I had no money. My mom was like, either you go or that's it. Like we, So I was, I had to go. Mm-hmm. What else am I going to do? So I didn't choose. I didn't actively say, yeah, I need to go get help. It was, that's where I, that was my rock bottom the first yeah. time. So that's how I got help. I only lasted being sober seven months after that. So after I came out of rehab the first time, I was only sober for about seven months, which is still, by the way, I don't ever take away from the amount of sobriety you have. If you slip, if you relapse, don't take away from that time and think, oh, well, I'm screwed now. Might as well keep using. Don't erase the hard work that you've done. Doesn't take away. The issue here, I really want everyone to hear the reason why I relapsed is because I still was making him my higher power. I was Mm. still making his love my higher power. Replace him with your substance of choice. Is it shopping? Is it eating? Is it lying? Is it gossiping? What's the thing that you anchor into to feel a sense of wholeness inside? Mm -hmm. For me, it was like my order was like the guy, my ex, and then maybe something else, and then maybe me, and then God. There was no order. So for me, it's like I'm adamant about No one, like the number one relationship in my life is the one that I have with the God within me, period. You do not surpass that. No human being ever will surpass that force in my life. Like I can't ever go down that road again. Okay, so Mm -hmm. who, I want, I want to find you a man. (laughs) Who is, okay. okay, What are are we calling in? What are we calling in? Okay, let me just allow myself to talk here because I (laughs) I filter myself a lot. I'm the queen of saying it out loud. No, don't filter. But when it comes to love, man, I want to share this with everyone as I'm going to share. When you've been let down so many times, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to water down what I want in a man. So where do I start? I want someone who is really proud of me. It's mm. really important that the Ugh. man that I'm with is proud of me because I Amen. work my ass off. I work my ass off to be the person that I am. It's not even all the stuff that I do. I don't do a lot. I, li- I literally do the least because it's important for me that I'm, whatever I'm doing, I put my, my full self into it. It's really important that he's proud of me. I just hosted Nita's book launch party. Yeah, I was just a moderator at her reading yesterday and I always ask, and my friends know this. I need to, I ask them, how did I do? Tell me, like, mm-hmm. did, I, did I do a good job? And it's not like a validate me. 
I'm getting from my friends what I want in a partner. And that's been really healing for me because just because you don't get it from a man yet or, or your partner or whatever that gender, it doesn't matter. That doesn't mean it's not available to you. So God has been showing me in the form of my female friendships, you can get what you want from your partner. Start by receiving it from your friends. So now, like one of my girlfriends came over and I said to her, can you tell me three reasons why you really love me? I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> Do you think growing up, you didn't hear recognition no. from your parents? No, it was. And I, my father patronized me, he coddled me. He was my, my, my dad is still to this day. I mean, I can do no wrong in his eyes. I mean, he is, he's a very kind man, but you know what? I had him wrapped around my finger. Yeah. I had my father wrapped around my finger and he knows that and we joke about it. It didn't, it did yeah. me a disservice actually. He, my father had no boundaries with me. Like he's a girl dad. He's a girl dad. And yeah. he, was a, he, he had no boundaries though with me. I got a lot of negative attention. I learned how to, I learned how to get attention from a young age is if I, I'm a certain way, then I'll get attention here. My parents used to fight a lot. So what I would do to kind of dissipate the chaos was I would become the center of attention. I learned mm-hmm. how to manage the chaos in the room by being the, being the person that you pay attention to so that they could stop fighting. Um, so I did not hear a lot of praise. I heard a lot of stop talking, Bachi, mind your own business. My family calls me Vachi. A lot of triangulation. Who do you love more? Which parent do you love more? Questions that I should not have had to answer at a young age. Um, Only now my mother is telling me I'm proud of you. It's not in their culture to tell. So I just want to say that. It is not in the Indian culture. It should be to say, hey, you did a great job because our belief is you're going to make your kids arrogant. And it's Mm -hmm. like, man, if you would have just told me that I did a good job, I would have leaned into that rather than thinking I was a screw up all the time. So I wish I was praised more. So I, I so your man, we're making a list okay. here. Okay. So a man that praises you. I want a man who praises me. I want a man who is passionate about something in his life. I don't mm-hmm. want to be the center of his world. I need to make mm-hmm. that real. I cannot be the center of your world because I will screw up and you will be disappointed. I need you to have something that you can anchor into. And it can't be me. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I can't be your anchor. Mm-hmm. I can't be your first anchor. I could be your third anchor. It needs to be, you need to have a relationship with something bigger than yourself. So I need a man who is a man of God. It doesn't matter what religion you are. I need you to believe that there is something bigger than you and the buck doesn't stop at you because that scares me when I'm with a human who doesn't believe in something bigger than them. It's like, so you're, so you, wow, it worries me. So for me, I want a man who's of faith. You believe in something. Um, you have no problem praying. You have no problem crying. You're okay with your, emotions, all of them. What else do I want? What else do I want? I mean, I, I he's got to like golden retrievers. He has to like golden retrievers. I want a man who's confident, who can just have a conversation, who can laugh at himself, not self-deprecation to the point that you're using humor to deflect, but you got to be able to make fun of yourself just a little bit, but respect yourself too. Like I tease myself, I joke, but yeah. I respect myself. Do you yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I need that. Uh, what does he look like? Um, Melanated would be beautiful, tall, dark, and handsome with a nice little shape-up goatee, you know, maybe a little gold <laughs> earring. Like, you got to smell good, like cool water cologne. I don't know. I'm like back in the 90s here. I need a good, good sense of music. I know this all feels very superficial, but, you know, I need a man that I can jibe with. Like, we yeah. need the vibe. Like, yeah. we, I got to love the same music. If I put on my 90s hip-hop playlist, you are going to love it. I, and I'm not saying I want someone who's like me. I want someone who has a hunger for life. Yeah. I want someone who's like, if I'm like, Babe, you want to go to Whole Foods and just, like, walk around the aisles and just, like, pick out some new stuff and, like, make a cool dinner? Yeah, let's go. I want someone who's like, I love this woman. She brings so much life to everything, but I want someone to reciprocate. So recipro- so uh, reciprocity is huge for me in this mm-hmm. season of my life uh, as far as attracting a partner. 
I feel like you ask really good questions about this, as you should, because you're happily married to Bobby Goldstein, who's over there. You know, what the hell do I know? I don't know shit. I love that. I see you. Like, you just picked up the drums, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah, I, yes. Yeah. Well, I was, Alice and Charles was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and she started playing guitar. And I'm like, I just got a guitar, and I think I'm going to take guitar lessons. Yes, I recommend everybody. Every, especially, you know, if you're listening to this and whether you have a depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, it doesn't matter, these labels, we have to find an outlet. Like, to rock out on my drums, like, I just feel so cool wearing my headphones and I like, I, it's a whole vibe for me. I'm like, <laughs> get my drums and like, I literally try to act like I'm a part of Red Hot Chili Peppers. I suck. I don't, <laughs> but I'm not like, who do I think I am? But I just like to get into it and I like to feel. Like, for me, I've, I haven't allowed myself or let me say this, I've leaned heavy on feeling the darkness. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm really, I can feel my pain. I'm all like, yes, I can, I can handle the darkness. Yes, I can get it. But I'm in a place in my life right now where I want to see how good I can allow myself to feel. So mm-hmm. if it's drums and that makes me feel really good, I'm going to do that. I'm going to jam out. I'm leaning into a season of increasing my pleasure point and mm-hmm. not be mm-hmm. the person who sabotages my own happiness. Because guess what? I do that in romantic relationships when a man really, truly loves me. And I'm very lucky. Even though the men that I've dated, it hasn't worked out. They love the shit out of me. <laughs> they might, the men I love, they love the What's shit. What's not to love? I mean. Seriously, I'm like a god. I mean, Kama Sutra, baby. No, you know, we, I mean, I'm good and bad. I'm, I'm, I'm a great, I'm funny. I mean, I'm pretty. I am, you know, I'm a great cook. You know, what's not to love? Except I think when you are constantly putting your emotional eggs in other people, mm-hmm. hoping that they will make you feel better than, you know, that's how relationships usually don't. They don't work out. (laughs) So, yeah, I've just been really trying in the season to allow myself to feel love and not question it because in my romantic relationships, I would question everything. Does this person really love me? Why do you love me? And so I would sabotage that. I would Mm -hmm. make sure that because that part of my brain, let's call it the bipolar part of my brain, that's like, this is too good to be true. You can't Mm -hmm. possibly love me. So let's screw it up so we don't have to feel that pain again. That's the bipolar part of my brain. Mm-hmm. Speaking of bipolar part, so at what point when you start dating someone, are you like, hey, I have bipolar mm-hmm. and this, it's fine. Just like this is when symptoms arise. This, I don't know. How does that conversation? I lay it all out on the table. Yeah. I say, if you, yeah, I lay it all on the table. And it's not like a word vomit thing. It's yeah. just if, if a man, I, and also, you know, my partner, I need a man who's genuinely curious about me. Mm-hmm. I, but mm-hmm. see, as a licensed therapist, I'm a like a professional question ask, asker. I just want to know about you. I'm naturally like, tell me more about you. What do you yeah. love? I need someone with that same curiosity for me. Well, of course. Yeah. So how soon? Well, I haven't really had that, you know? So that's something that I'm like, I really yeah. actually need someone to give a shit and ask me questions. But how soon? I, I would lay it all on the table. That's something you need to know about me. Yeah. Yeah. You need to know that I live a certain way. And that I am highly sensitive and I require a lot of alone time and a lot of silence. And I like being with myself and I feel very deeply. And when I'm stuck in a loop, what I actually need is for you to not to fix it. But I just want you to be like, babe, I love you. Like, just you know, say, say it out loud to me. Mm-hmm. I don't need to fix. Like, what do you need from me? It's like what I give to other people. It's, yeah. I want what I give to other people. Mm. I do. And, I'm, and, I, mm-hmm. and I've worked hard on this. And when I say work hard, like I'm very aware of this. And I don't expect anything from someone that I am not willing to give. Are there still things 
that I could work on? Absolutely. I think I could be a lot more patient with myself. I become better. Like, you know, when you like drop something or you like spill something, my reaction I've noticed has actually gotten softer. I'm not like, oh shit, Vasavi, you're so stupid. You're like, how could you break yeah, that how could you do glass? That? I've been saying oops a lot lately. I'm like, oops, oops. And I really love, I'm telling you, Karina, even that as self-talk, you got, y- y'all think that this is just like simple stuff. Even saying oops instead of you're so stupid, it changes mm-hmm. the body. You're literally, you're teaching your body how to respond if you make a mistake. Oh, you're so stupid. Versus even on this podcast, I've probably gone off on track. I've, you know, when I, I go off on track, I go on a tangent. I'm just like, oops, you know, I got a lot to say. People will get what they need to get from it. You're the host. You keep us on track. We're good. I'm not going to sit here and judge myself and beat myself into submission yeah. to do something the right way. So, yeah. Something with say it out loud. And I was asking the question of like, when with a partner, do you mention like, hey, bipolar, whatever, yeah. it's just me. Because I've had a lot of friends who like haven't wanted to date because, oh, well, I can't tell them my family history. Mm. Oh, my sister was depressed and she passed away from fentanyl overdose or this. And like, I can't date. No, no, no. No one wants to know who I am. And that's not like who you are. Mm-hmm. But I just, there's so many of us who want to hide the dark parts of our family history, of things that we've been through. And even like with the big silence, obviously talking more. And even with my memoir that came out, I was scared, but I'm like, here. And mm-hmm. even your book is mm-hmm. like, it's just like, here, we're all human. We're all not perfect. Mm-hmm. We like, blah, here it is. The reason why I like to tell people up front is because I know for me, I don't like secrets. I yeah. don't like I've known you for a while and this is a huge part of your life and you haven't told me. Uh, for me also, I'm giving myself the permission. You don't get access into my inner world unless I say so. And that's huge for me too. Mm-hmm. So maybe if I, let's say I, I meet a guy on a date, we go on one date and I'm not feeling it from the get-go. I'm not going to tell him my life story. I already yeah. know it's oh, not going to work. Yeah. But if I'm starting to dig a guy and I'm like, damn, and we start talking and we start opening up, then I'll tell him. So I'm also giving myself the permission. You don't need to know everything about me. I'm on a mm-hmm. need to know basis. Do you absolutely need to know this about me? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to make a whole clip on finding. <laughs> what else? <laughs> you're, 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 you're a man. Anything else out there? I mean, what else do I want? I mean, I need some romance. I need you to grab my ass when I'm washing dishes. Like, I need you to touch me. Like, I need you to be like, come here and like, not let me go. Even talking about it, that kind of love, I've been wanting that for so long. Yeah. Yeah, I really. And. I'm ready for it. I say that I am. And I jokingly say I'm not because I get all vulnerable and I'm like, no, I'm not ready for it. I don't want that. But man, I'm ready to get it and I'm ready to give it. And I just, you know, I'm here. I'm caressing your, (laughs) I'm ready. I'm just ready for it. And um, she's caressing the fur on my my table of the podcast studio. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not certain. That's the thing. Usually when I speak, Karina, you've heard me. You hear me. I speak with conviction. I speak with certainty. But when it comes to love, I'm still a little wavery. I'm finding my own voice when it comes to love. I'm giving myself permission to say, hey, I really like some love too, you know. It, mm-hmm. And I'll say to myself, I'm not weak for wanting that, you know. No. I give a lot. I want that back. So the voice in my head that I'm working through is like, boss, you're not weak for wanting love, you know. No. I mean, you give it so freely. Do you feel weak to those who receive your love? No. I don't. So I'm just giving myself permission to say, like, I want that. And I'm also scared, you know? It's like, man, I've worked, you know, Karina, like yesterday, man, I had a great evening in the past few 
even with the power outage, you know, we had that winter mm-hmm. storm. I was by myself. I had a fully stocked fridge. And I just said, man, I'm so, ha- I'm happy. And then I was like, am I going to be ready to allow somebody in into this? I'm so happy right now. So now I'm in a place where it's like, am I ready to like allow someone into this? Because I got it so good. I've worked so hard to feel the way that I feel. And I'm like, I'm afraid that someone's going to come in and fuck it up. But that's where I have to trust myself. And I say, boss, you know what? You've learned your lessons. You're not going to fuck it up. You're not going to screw it up. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. And that's romantically when it comes to love and relationships. Yeah. Well, I want you to know you're awesome and <laughs> proud of you. Thank you. Please tell me that. There, I love it. You're beautiful. Yeah, you. you deserve to have your ass grabbed while yeah. doing dishes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like, I like that. And you know what? There's a, Being an Indian woman, me admitting this out loud is huge. There is a very dirty little slut in me. Okay. All right. She needs to come out. I'm not yeah. just this like beautiful Indian goddess spoken and, you know, yeah. whatever. I have parts of me that need to be stroked. Okay. And I'm allowing that part to come out. This is what I say when I say don't disown these parts of yourself because they will come out in unhealthy ways. Yeah. It will come out in unhealthy ways. So I own like there's a part of me I need to be touched. I need to be, mm, I need, you know, I need that. And so I, for me, it's important that I'm in a relationship when I'm with someone to to experience that physical intimacy. So I'm being patient. I'm just, <laughs> which means I haven't gotten laid in a long ass time. <laughs> patient is code for, I found a gray hair down there. That's not fun. <laughs> I'm not going to be silent about that one. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Okay, so is there... Oh, I'm embarrassing myself right now. No. Go buy my book. By yeah, the way, I have a gray pube down there. <laughs> I have a great pew, by the way. I pre-order my book, guys. I'm sure I do, too. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Thank you. I don't know. Take one right. for the team. I love that. <laughs> um, so, um, can we end this with a say it out loud exercise? Cool. So, in your book, you have different exercises that I think are great. So, anyone listening, something that they can mm-hmm. bring it in right now and... Yes. So okay. I, would, I want first everyone to know that this every exercise in this book, you don't have to have a journal. You don't have to have. I mean, there's some exercises where I'm like, take out your journal. But every prompt, every um, script that I give you is intended for you to learn how to talk to yourself. So I give you scripts and I have you prompt yourself and actually answer out loud. So which chapter are we? I have so, this one. There's a few practices. Oh, I love this I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a chapter in the book called Hide and Seek Out Loud, okay? And so this is where you notice the types of situations and interactions where you hide parts of yourself. For for example, with me, with the bipolar disorder, I talk about it. I've talked about it, but I don't lead with that. And when people ask me, I'm like, oh, yeah, we don't have to talk about that. We're fine. I no longer do that. I've partnered with International Bipolar Foundation. This is me really owning. I do have this. Vas, stop being in denial. So What part of yourself are you hiding right now? So notice that. I want you to observe situations where you feel constricted or closed off and those when you feel open. Just pay attention to the people that you're around and how your body language shifts based on the scenarios that you're in. Pay attention to when you feel most like yourself versus when you feel like you have something to shield. Okay, so this is the practice. At the end of every chapter, I give you a prompt, a practice, and a promise, okay? So the practice, this is when you talk to yourself. You're going to ask yourself out loud. You want to try this, Karina? Sure. Okay. So I want you to ask yourself out loud, uh, either which part of me am I hiding right now or what parts of myself do not do I not want other people to see? I actually, so we're going to use Karina as our beautiful guinea pig. Do you Ooh, mind? Okay. Okay. You don't mind? 
Do I have your full permission? Yes. Okay. So I literally want you to ask yourself out loud, which part of me am I hiding? It doesn't have to be right now, but, or what parts of myself do I not want other people to see? So ask yourself that question out loud, and then I want you to see what comes up, and let's hear your answer. So what parts of myself do I not want others Mm -hmm. to see? I'm stressed. Okay. And then, so which part of me am I doing? Hiding. Okay. So, well, yours was stressed. Okay. I am hiding. Okay. We're looking at a piece of paper right now, which is from the book that I printed out. We're looking at the example, right? So you say you you hide the part of you that is stressed. And so how does feeling stress show up in your life? When you're feeling stressed, but you're hiding it. That's the key thing. When Karina is stressed, she doesn't like to show it to others. How does that impact your life when you are stressed, but you don't allow other people to see it? How does that impact you? Well, we talked about it earlier. You don't do the things that you need to do. Mm. You don't move your body. You don't meditate. You sleep more. Mm-hmm. So because, so so do you think that, oh, let me ask you this. What do you do to hide your stress? Act happy. Act happy. Okay. How many of us feel <laughs> one way, but we act another way? I, but by the way, my emotion that I do not like people to see is irritability. My mother, mm-hmm. my mother, and my mother will admit this. She was very irritable growing. I mean, when we were kids, she was a full-time doctor, 30, 40, 50 patients a day, two little kids at home. I don't show my irritability. So I will be like, everything's great inside. I'm like seething rage. Fuck all of y'all. But it's like, I'm glad that you admitted that because now we get to really ask ourselves, okay, so when I'm stressed, I don't like to show it to others. So instead, I act like I'm happy. So then how does the conflict Feeling one way, but expressing another thing, how does that impact your life? Makes me feel not authentic to myself. Mm -hmm. And not feeling authentic. And by the way, y'all, I'm talking to Karina, but this is like all of us. We all do it. And and so thank you for just taking one for the team. Um, When you don't feel inauthentic, does that feel heavy or does that feel light in your body? Heavy. And when you feel heavy in your body, does that, do you feel like working out or do you feel like sleeping or do you feel like just kind of being in the shit? I like being in the shit. (laughs) I want to say something about being in the shit. There's a time and a place to be in the shit. And there's also a time and a place to be like, we got to get out of this shit, right? You know when it's time for you to get out of the shit. And I will invite you to speak more out loud to let people know when you're stressed. Like the people closest to you, right? Like let people know, y'all, I'm really stressed right now. I could use a little what? Like what do you need when you're actually stressed from the people in your life? Just people surrounding me. Okay. And what do you need those people to do and say and around you? Like, what do you, what? Just be. Just be with you? Because I don't necessarily want to talk, although sometimes I will, like, over talk. But no, I've had great friends in town with me and my Mm -hmm. sister's in town with me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just presence. Just be here with me. Yeah. Just hold me. Just hold me and be here with me. So what I want everyone listening to is right now, when you go through each chapter of my book— Each chapter is broken down in terms of the different parts of ourselves that we can tap into. There is a voice inside of us that maybe sounds like, don't show this to people. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. they can't. That's the the voice that we address inside this chapter, Hide and Seek Out Loud. We also have another chapter called Own Your Flaws Out Loud. I just wanted to share this with you. You know that scene from Eminem, 8 Mile? Mm -hmm. Which one? 8 Mile, the very last scene when him and B-Rabbit are doing their <laughs> rap battle and Eminem basically calls out the fact, he's like, I'm trailer park, white trash, my mother's at this, my mother's that, and then he like throws the mic and he goes, I'm out, you know? Like he yeah, wins. yeah, yeah. 
So I love this chapter of my book because I truly think if we allowed ourselves to own our shit, we don't, we won't be so busy trying to cover up our shit, right? And so it's just, just say it. Like for me, it's about freedom. It's not just about running our mouth. I say it out loud because I want inner freedom. I don't want to keep that stuff inside of me if it's polluting me, if I can repair it or if I can make sense out of it. I'm going to. And you know what? You cannot solve a problem with the same same mind that created the problem. Yeah. It's hard. And so you have to talk about it with somebody else or say it out loud to yourself because inside every single one of us, we have that wise voice of God, that intuitive voice that's just so deeply rooted that knows. So we, we got to learn how to distinguish those voices in our head so we can anchor back into our truth. That's why we say it out loud. I love that. Thank you. I'm going to say more out loud. I've been, I yes, was yeah. like before, like, I've always done like a lot of therapy over the years, but in 2017, my main goal was like my throat chakra mm-hmm. where like, you know, that tenseness where like you get tightened up mm-hmm. and like, I don't have that anymore mm-hmm. because I definitely say it out loud a lot more now. It's like taking an emotional dump. Mm-hmm. It is. You just, I, and I just want everyone hearing this. Whenever people say, I feel like an imposter, I feel like this, I go, it's because your outsides are not matching your insides. Yeah. Have your outsides match your insides. Literally say what you mean and mean what you say. You'll stop feeling like an imposter. How can you feel like a fake and a fraud if what you're saying is exactly what, you, what you're thinking? Yeah. So that we're just closing the gap between this is who I want to be and this is who I think I am or who I should be. And by speaking the truth, we're, we get more and more congruent with our thoughts, words, and our actions. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being this container to let my wildfire go. I know I've asked you on multiple occasions. What question did you ask me? Where are we going? I'm sweating right now. My thighs are sweating. We're talking about men. We're all over the place. But I appreciate you keeping me on track. I have a lot to say. So I appreciate you bringing me back on track and then also asking me about my love life. I just I I learned more about myself through this interview. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned more about myself. All right. So everyone listening, say it out loud, (laughs) share, like comment, like just freaking say it. I always say like, just be yourself, say what you want. Just be a good damn person. Yes. And the work is when you say it and you have, you're like, oh shit, did I just say that? In that moment is where you get to be like, I'm going to be okay. No matter what anyone says, like, this is my truth. This is what I truly believe. Why would I water it down? Like, this is how I actually am. Like, do not go against what is true for you. At all. Like, I posted something on my Instagram. I was like, this is too aggressive. This feels too direct. And I asked myself, is that how you really feel, though? I go, yeah. I go, post it. That's what I have to say to myself to help unlock my throat chakra, too, Mm -hmm. because it gets tight for me because as I become more visible, as I say it out, I'm like, shit, I'm an Indian woman. Am I allowed to say this? For you, you may have your own story as to why you can't say it out loud, but... The more you watch your stuff back and you read your words back or you, you know, voice note yourself and just listen to the vibrations of your words and your body will tell you if you're lying. You, you mm-hmm. know when you lie, mm-hmm. white lies. Okay. We all know when we're lying. We can feel it. But we've gotten so used to being like, oh, it's okay. It's just a lie. I don't want to live like that. I don't want anyone to live like that. It's just not worth it. So listen to yourself speak, read your words and see like, how do I feel when I when I listen to myself? It, I want you to feel something. I want you to be moved by your own life. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like I dedicated in my book, this book is dedicated to all those who suffer in silence. My uncle who committed suicide when I was 10 years old, Lakshmi Kumar, he's in the acknowledgement section of my book. If he knew mm-hmm. how to talk to all the voices in his head, he'd still be alive today. This is not just some cheeky phrase, say it out loud. Everyone just talk and open their mouths. This is really about the more you keep that stuff 
inside of you, it will affect you. The body will suppress, the body will hold on to what the mind is suppressing. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I just, I, I want people to feel free. I don't want anyone to ever end up like my uncle. He should not have died at the age of 30. <sighs> yeah. So that's important to me now that we end on a very heavy note. <laughs> Say and, it out loud. Yeah. And also, if you or anyone that you love or know needs to talk to anyone, we have a 24-7 crisis text line. You text HERO, H-E-R-O, to 741741 for completely confidential therapists are there for you. And um, yeah, so... Is this through the big silence? Yes. That is so beautiful that you offer that to people. I hope people text that number. I I mean, I I cannot even believe that you offer that. And that is beautiful. And that's what we need. Because I will tell you this. I think that no one actually wants to kill themselves. No one. That's a last resort. For you to actually, your mind to convince you that there is no other way than to just basically die and take your own life. Like, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, it shouldn't be that way. So if all you sometimes really need is one person to say, "Hey, listen, just, just, just I'm here for you. Just I'm here for you." Like, well, yeah. that's why so, we have the word hero because you're either a hero for yourself by dialing that number and talking to someone to save your mm-hmm. own life, or if you're a friend and you share hero to seven four one seven four one, you're a hero to your friend or your loved one. I so respect and honor the work that you've done and you continue to do. I mean, there are resources out there. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. The big silence. Big silence.